You're listening to Angus Underground, featuring insight, opinion, and answers to the questions on everyone's mind. Prepare to be educated, entertained, and empowered with insight, news, and conversation with today's newsmakers. From the well-known to the not-so-well-known, raise your flag and join the revolution as your hosts, David, Joe, and Corbin, take you underground. Welcome to the Angus Underground. I'm your host, David Brown. I'm joined tonight with uh, Joe Fisher, Corbin Mahaffey. Welcome to the Underground, guys. How's it going? Well, it's going. It's it's very, uh, so it's very funny. Last week, it was 93 degrees here, and this week, this morning, it was 35, and tomorrow morning, it's going to be 27. It's absolutely, that's crazy. That's a crazy drop in temperature, but uh, I'm actually welcoming the cooler weather because I'm sick of the heat. Well, and it, it's that cooler weather. I mean, that'll slow the drying down a little bit. I know yeah. it's been extremely dry there. Man, you're you're going through it, and we feel for you. Yeah, you know, uh, we've got a chance of rain next week. We had an inch last week. Um, I It's unprecedented territory. I was thinking maybe if it rains two inches next week and then it gets back up to 80 degrees, will grass grow? I mean, I guess potentially it could, but I, I doubt that it will be much, but it's – it's interesting to think about. I, I, so I have been thinking about that. I mean, we had a conversation over the phone the other day, and, and you told me you had an inch of rain. I asked it at green up, and you said, no, I think your grass has gone dormant. Yeah. So, you know? so that might actually end up being beneficial for, like, next year, right? That grass <laughs> has gone dormant, and it's like, you know what? I'm I'm not taking this anymore. I want to come back next year, so I'm going to go hide. Maybe. Kind of like a <laughs> kind of like a fly that or a, a bear that hibernates. Our grass is just hibernating for the yeah, yeah. foreseeable future. Well, so it's, so it's been warm here in Northwest Montana, and uh, usually by now we've seen a lot of grizzly activity. You know, bears pass through the ranch as they're headed towards wherever they hibernate, and this year we've seen no signs. But it's been warm, and uh, the last I heard, I mean, the experts are saying, oh, the hibernation is its going to be delayed by months. I mean, it's, it's absolutely insane. Now, uh, so we've been in the 70s every day for at least 30 days now. Uh, we get cool at night. It's been, we've had multiple freezes this morning. It was, it was dang cold. But... Uh, they're predicting snow by the weekend. And so, yeah, these bears might get confused. Yeah, the, the, yeah, what, whatever it is, climate change, whatever you want to call it, whether it's natural or man made, who knows? Not for me to decide, but things are not like they used to be. No question. Well, I'd take a foot of wet snow right now. I guarantee it. Well, I'm going to tell you what, if, if it comes here on Saturday, I'll send it to you. I don't want it yet. <laughs> <laughs> we we still got a lot of cattle out on pasture and uh yeah yeah we've got grass that needs to be harvested and, and uh bulls are out with cows you know we finished up breeding ai a couple of weeks ago we've had bulls out now and uh bulls are working uh bulls have been busy the last couple of days and we like to see that but uh yeah yeah we've had a had a busy couple of weeks here uh joe I know Joe is uh, 
juggling a bunch of cattle there in Northern California. Yeah, we wow. got cattle all over the place. It's, it was 88 here today. Oh, and uh, for comparison's yeah. sake, we're always looking for rains about the 1st of October. We got that one about our, our bull sale time, which was the 22nd, 23rd of September. So we've got green up. We've got three inches of green grass. It's died now. Mm. Um, you need another You need another shot. Yeah. We'll grow another crop. I mean, that, that stuff is done. The cows are chasing around acorns and they look tough. And that's kind of the, everybody's the boat they're in California this time of year, though, always. It just seems like these gaps, though, these gaps keep getting wider and wider between moisture. And, and we end up, when the feed is good, it's good. Um, but the periods in which it's good are shorter in duration, it seems like. So we're definitely needing a big shot of rain to try to recharge some of these underground aquifers and get some of these springs running again and make these trees want to go. So some of the trees have wanted to go dormant because they're drought stressed. But usually that's what happens here. It turns cold, trees go dormant, and then springs start percolating. And that that's what allows a lot of guys to get their cows out into the hills and, and little creeks and stuff would traditionally start running that didn't before. And I'm not talking like the Russian river. I'm talking about trickling enough for stock water for cattle, but, um, we quite, we haven't quite had that yet. And, um, so we need some gully washers, um, as we call them to get some things going, but we're going to start synchronizing cows here on Saturday, just small bunches at a time. It's just me and Wyatt right now. My kids are at school and Bennett's got his job in town. And so I use him where I can use miles where I can and Abby where I can, but um, they still have to, they still have to go to school and be decent citizens. And so, uh, we'll start synchronizing in small bunches. We got three pot loads of cattle scattered all over the place and try to get those home and synchronized and, um, collected a couple of the bulls that we're going to use here today. And uh bullet Nebraska bull service is being collected today as well. So if all things go well, we are set up to be on our way. So Joe, when, when you bring those, when you bring those cattle home, you know, you'll bring them home on trucks. You'll truck them, truck them to the house. Do you, do you have a big place you put them while you're breeding them and sinking them? And, and how does that work? Do you try to get them shipped out of there after, right after you breed them? What do you do as far as that goes? That's kind of our bottleneck, Corbin, to be honest with you. I want them here as, uh, as little time po as possible because it is going to turn cold here and it's going to start raining. The nutritional value is terrible. We want to get the cattle way west of here. So we've got this actual headquarters ranch kind of split up. It gets smaller as it gets to the corral. And so the smallest fields would be 15, 20 acres. And then they get to like 50, 100, 600, 800, 1800, 2200, um, kind of the sizes. And, and we try to keep them like if we put a cedar in, we'll put you out in a big field that we don't mind gathering 500 acres because we got seven days to figure that out. But once we pull cedars, we kind of want to save those closer fields um, where we can observe heats and then pull. But uh, I, I would love to be able to watch multiple heats on some of these cows. So it's just it's just not in the cards for us, to be honest with you. That's honestly what's tough for me, too, is is, ha is right now we're, when we get ready to breed in December, it's it's they are in order to do that. They've got to stay in really close. And it's just kind of like gross. And it, I don't really feel like it's the best set up for for that we do get good conception because we we will move them out of there right away but it's just like man i don't like i don't like having to keep them cattle close up or pin you know or even in a trap i just i i want them to be cows as much as they can be cows but sometimes you get that you know it's just really not in the cards so 
I think it's really, really tough to truly mimic and mirror a commercial operation and run a high-end purebred operation. Because right now, as spread out as we are, I should be picking up bulls and I should just be turning them out. And then I should yeah, be going it's... to my kids' baseball games, right? Right. <laughs> but yep. instead, we're going to be shipping cattle in, shipping them out, battling the the prey grape because of change in nutrition and all the hokey things that we do. Um, but but I'm... I also want to, I want to back up Corbin, you, you canned this and said you were going to do it earlier, but David and I are, are battling a little bit of sickness. And uh, so I don't sound totally depressed right now. That's not what it is. Is my voice is just, this is normal operations. And the reason we're spending a little bit of time on it at our intro is I know that everyone else is dealing with the same thing. Most of the purebred operations are, are dealing with the very same thing we are. And um, it's a challenge guys. And and usually if you sell yearling bulls, you're going to be doing all that right around deliveries and sales times. And, and it's just, we're in it right now. We are absolutely in it, but you know what, come December, when we get cattle turned out, it'll, it'll calm down and it'll be nice. And it'll be time to reflect and see how the calves are growing. And, and I'm excited for a good calm December, January is what I'm excited for. I'm a little worried that uh, I might catch some of what you guys have through the microphone. I don't know if that's the way <laughs> it travels, but that Montana super spread event that, that you guys just got done <laughs> with. Uh, yeah. So that, that was a good week. That was a good week for you guys. Wasn't it? I'm, I'm going to tell you what Joe, Joe sounds great compared to the way I sounded two, three days ago. I, again, again, I lost my voice uh, day after our sale. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's, that's usually the busy day. That's when you get on the phone, you have to call all the people who bought online or the people who bought and they needed to get down the road back home. You want to call them and thank them and then start arranging delivery. And I'm, I'm really embarrassed because it, it took me three, four days to get my voice back enough where I could call these folks. And, uh, and in the middle of that we're I'm the brainiac who scheduled two sales a month apart. We had our female sale October the 12th, bull sale on November the 12th. And so, yeah, we sold on a Wednesday. So Thursday, uh, we still got folks lingering around wanting to look at cattle. I had to run some cattle down south, meet a truck. Um, Friday, Friday, we're right into semen testing bulls. So we're doing that all day. Saturday uh, was our second transfer on our embryo deal. Uh, so that ate up the day. And then Sunday, Sunday, my voice was shot completely. Um, I headed down south. We we run an ET cooperator herd, or we have an ET cooperator herd that raises spring calves for us. Those calves have been delivered two weeks ago. I needed to get down and see those calves. And I thought, you know, this is a good day because my voice is shot. And uh, yeah, the whole way there, whole way back, phone's ringing off the wall. And uh, I'm trying to answer that. So, yeah, uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday night. And uh, so, yeah, yesterday I dove right into those calls, tried to call as many folks as I could, got a hold of some, some I couldn't. Uh, today we're, uh, we're just chasing our tails, trying to catch up on some other stuff and <laughs> and trying to get some of those calls made. But it's it's been nuts. It's been How nuts. many females you got left, David? To did ship, you, yeah. Did did anybody take any of them home? Yeah, yeah. There were a handful that left. Um, I don't know what the tally is. I mean, we have uh, 
And and listen, we were blessed. We were blessed. I mean, cattle went from one end of the country to the other. Uh, they went as far south as Texas and uh, oh, gee, southern Utah, all the way north up to uh, you know middle of Alberta, Canada, Saskatchewan, uh, British Columbia. I mean, these cattle went everywhere. And so it's going to take a while to unravel all that, get them all shipped. Uh, we we work with some great uh, some great folks. Woolsey Trucking they do all of our shipping. That's a free plug. Bob doesn't listen. He should because he's got a lot of free time in his truck. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's going to take a while. I mean, I I think we're we're two three weeks out, and and realistically, I mean, some of them will get delivered after our bull sale. Uh, yeah, it's just insanity to me. That's. I don't mind getting the cattle shipped and delivered, but it's a time-consuming process. But, uh, hey, I, I wanted to touch on this. Um, so, number one, number one, we, we had a really nice production sale. And, and thank you to all the listeners out there who came and supported us or, or called or texted, whatever. I mean, the, the moral support to me is, is just as valuable as those that, that come and buy. But... Uh, uh, thank you to all all those folks, and and thank you, Joe Joe Fisher. Joe Fisher took time out of his busy schedule, came up and helped me. Uh, you know, it's I I don't want to complain. I don't want to complain because I love visitors, and you know, sale time is is just so hectic because you've got calls and and all this demands on your time. But Joe Joe came up and pitched in for us. Uh, Joe was on the phone. He was making calls to potential customers, fielding calls from potential customers. And, uh, you know, what, I think what, what helped us the most was we had these visitors here that wanted to go see cattle. And so, yeah, I said, Joe, grab a side-by-side -side and grab these folks and, and go show them the cattle. And, uh, Joe, thank you very much. I mean, that... It was a blast. It was a blast. Well, Have you noticed this weird social media thing though? And it, it's <laughs> the same. It's the same with the podcast, but even it's the the Angus Underground Community page. Um, I don't know how much crossover there is to the podcast, or there isn't, but there's some, right? Yeah. But there's there people that we have these relationships with, like real, genuine relationships we've never met, and so yeah, it's absolutely. neat to it's neat to meet these people. And and really, I'll tell you, David, I've been. I've been reassured of the quality and the ilk of people that we have in this business um, through the connections of going to these sales and actually shaking their hand or giving them a hug or, or getting to meet them and talk about their enterprises. I mean, that was what was so fun for me to just, and it's, it's sort of like day working on a cowboy gig. Like you get all nutted up when it's your own program. And then when yeah. you go help somebody, it's just fun. It's just fun. And, and I love visiting with everybody that I visited with. Um, it was a great opportunity for me to continue to network with people, but it was a great opportunity for me to just sit back and honestly, I, I hustled, right? I, I oh, worked man. hard, but, but I, I could decompress too. I could decompress and just, because after my sale, I was so on fire getting bulls delivered. I mean, I told you guys, I went down to Trump's border wall, what, 36 <laughs> hours before I was on the plane to Montana delivering bulls. So how secure is it? Can you it's walk pretty through? secure. 
It's pretty, no, no, good, no, no, good. no. I, the gal I was with, she says, you can go touch it if you want. And I said, there's border patrol right there. She goes, oh, no, no, no. They know us. You'll be fine. And I said, no, no, they're going to think I'm passing through like fentanyl candies or something. <laughs> I'm going to get tasered right here. I'm not doing oh, this. My. But that wall was impressive. I'll bet you it had to be 30 feet tall. I mean, it was, yeah. it was, it was gorgeous and huge. It was a huge, huge wall. That's awesome. So, so there's not foot slats so you can climb <laughs> over it. No, no foot slats, no ropes, no ropes. I think the, I mean, I think the correct terminology is huge. Yeah, yeah, it was huge. It was definitely huge. Oh, that's great. And, and and while you were down there, you went to uh, Austin Snedden's bull sale, correct? Yeah, that was super cool. Austin, uh, a loyal listener, Herford extraordinaire. His family's been in the business. I, I'm going to botch it. I think it was 50 years because they never offer sale of heifers. They're worse hoarders than me. And uh, they offered choice of their heifer crop um, or, or something of the sort. They had some heifers there uh, because of a 50-year celebration, but a really loyal customer base. We have some crossover where people buy their Angus bulls from me and Hereford bulls from Austin. And it was actually, Austin and I have had a great relationship for quite some time now. First time I met him and his family face-to-face. That's and cool. uh, yeah, it was, it was really cool. I, I really enjoyed it. And they were very flattering of the podcast and of you guys, of course. And and uh, just the opportunity to interface with people who just have that similar worldview. Isn't it amazing, though? You think about this, and I thought about it when the war in Ukraine broke out. The people who are farming and ranching are the exact same as us. They just had missiles flying over their head. Yeah. Or, yeah. or you go to Argentina or Australia. Their workdays all are the same. And that pastoral lifestyle that we have there's like this, this little thread that combines us and joins us where we cannot speak the same language, not have the same culture, but we're all the same people and the same kind of people. And it's amazing because California, I know, is the loony left, but I guarantee you the people that I know and love, um, are, they'd fit right in in Montana or in Oklahoma or Pennsylvania, Virginia, wherever you want to say it. If you're ranching, you're ranching, and that's who you are. Now, one of these days, we'll have that too. Uh... <laughs> that big political episode I want to have. And yeah, that's, that's the one commonality we see. And, you know, it was about a year ago, I went to South America and we can't even speak the same language. Okay. Um, but you fe- I felt this bond, this yeah. bond with these folks that are raising these grass fed Angus cattle. Um, you know, they're not raising breeding cattle like we do, but they're raising these grass fed Angus cattle, purebred cattle. Uh, for the meat markets there in Bogota, we can't speak the language, but but you just feel this synergy or bond. That it, it, it's really hard to put your arms around, but uh, it's yeah because we all get it. It's like you said, we go out, we do chores. It's all the same. It doesn't matter where, whether you're in Bogota, Colombia, uh, or, or somewhere in the middle of Australia, or the middle of California or Montana. It's all the same. And uh, so we, we put up with a lot of the, the similar trials and tribulations. And yeah, it's uh, it's really cool. And I, I know I'm going to go off on a tangent. Sorry, guys. But uh, Joe, Joe is. Uh, did you give a speech yesterday? Yeah. Yeah, actually, I yeah, did. You gave a speech uh, uh, for Farm Bureau interacting with uh, the, ur- the urban communities. 
Yeah, Agerman interface. So we're talking like legit almonds and then a world-class monster high school. I, my college, I went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, <laughs> not as fancy as this high school. I mean, it's unbelievable. Incredible. But but I think that's super important. And and I know for Joe, it's, uh, you know, it's 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 one of these deals. Uh, it's a commitment that, that goes indirectly. It's unrewarded. But but ultimately is very rewarding because it's a commitment that we all should have to share our story with those who don't know what agriculture is about. Correct? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no. And the, yeah. they're a consumer. And I was, I was surprised to learn with my Farm Bureau stuff, speaking of your tangent, um, we hear about California and, you know, and the challenges here, farmers and ranchers have an 86% approval rating amongst the voting demographic of California. That's awesome. You wouldn't think that, but they love us. They love what we do. They just don't know. <laughs> you would think they would listen to you. Then. <laughs> well, and and that's part of the challenge, right? Yeah. Is we need more. Yeah. There, there's less time. Every time you're the farmer or the rancher, you're the only person at any one of these meetings not getting paid to be there. Everyone else yeah. is an executive director of some sort of um, NGO or quasi government agency. And, and we just have to do it though. It's, it's, it's like, I call it ag evangelization. You just have yeah. to do it. You know, it's, 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 it's interesting. We talk to each other pretty much every day and we talk to other people that are in similar situations to us. One of my most favorite things, however, is those, that small amount of friends I have, that's not in the beef industry that, that just kind of lives in town and has a town job. They, they meet me with the most, um, sincere, enthusiasm way more so than people that we talk to every day and and yeah like joe said for the most part those guys are all in and they it's fun it's fun to teach them sort of because they don't really know our our daily life and they they're just like so interested they're like i can't believe you guys do all that just to feed us and you're like yeah we do and we don't make any money in the process you know but it's 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 i enjoy that as much as anything Mark November 19th on your calendar for the 2022 Ginger Hill Angus Real World Premium Sale. Selling 45 stout made balanced trait yearling Angus bulls and 50 productive young cows and bred heifers, many with calves at side. The Ginger Hill cow herd was established in 1959 and many bulls and females selling trace back 10 to 14 generations to our original foundation females. The bulls were developed in big pastures with longevity and fertility in mind. They are backed by a nationally acclaimed, uniquely bred cow herd that is selected and managed just like our commercial customers on fescue grass and grass hay, no high cost supplemental feed. Led by a powerful set of eye appealing sons of Ginger Hill Black Boar 616, highlights include Ginger Hill Big Country, Rattle On and Black Jumbo. These sale cattle will supply the genetics to move your program in a profitable direction by improving a balance of traits, including fertility, calving ease, foot and skeletal structure, fleshing ability and maternal traits, and muscling in an optimal growth and mature size bracket. With narrow profit margins and soaring input costs, cattle that thrive on low inputs yet respond to feed with explosive growth are a must. Selected to thrive on fescue pastures in the southeast, yet proven to perform nationwide, Ginger Hill offers quality outcross genetics at an affordable price. If you cannot attend, 
You can watch and bid from the comfort of your home at dvauction.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Ginger Hill Angus. For more information, visit www.gingerhillangus.com or contact Brooke Miller at brooke at gingerhillangus.com or call 540-522-8363. No, and I, I, I think it's super important. And, and, and this needs to be one of our future episodes where we talk about um, how we sell our story, how we sell our story and, and how we make it translate to those living in, uh, in you know, the urban environment. Uh, so so uh, I want to I want to circle back real quick. So we had a great Angus weekend here in Mon- or week. I call it a weekend in Montana last week. Uh, our good friends Coleman's, uh, Larry and D, uh, Jeremy Hegg, who was on uh, a couple of episodes ago, they had a great, great sale. Uh, we had a sale here at Montana Ranch the day after. Uh, we had a number, a number of uh, Angus Underground uh, listeners who came up, and man, it's so great to meet these folks. Holy smokes! I mean, what good people! And uh, and it was really humbling to me as, as we had folks come to the ranch and, and they'd introduce themselves and tell us where they're from and, and say, hey, we were, you know, we've been longtime listeners. That's huge. It's huge. Uh, I, I don't want to oversell the fact that the podcast, uh, you know, brought these folks to us. I, you know, I, I want to say it was the cattle. But it's, it's folks that have a, a similar worldview, a similar philosophy on uh, breeding Angus cattle. And I, I think a, a lot of times it's folks who may have gone down one path and, and hopefully through what we've aired on this podcast, uh, we've, we've helped them think outside of the nine dots or outside of the box, whatever you want to term that as. Uh, but they wanted to come here and see you know, put the faces with the names and, and with the voices. And that was really rewarding. And, and so we're not going to mention all those folks on, on the air here. Uh, we will in future episodes and, and uh, great, great folks. Thank you guys. Thank you one and all. And I wanted to add, David, I'm, I'm thankful to you and Shauna for this podcast, but more so than the platform, it's the message. It's the message that resonates with people because they all, really buy into that same message. And I've got one loud and clear for the loyal Angus underground. There's a shift coming. And this Montana week was full on display of people looking for something different and looking for unique programs. Stay true to your breeding program, stay true to your own philosophy. And that pendulum will come and hit you. And uh, you got to find your type of cattle that you like and just stay steadfast on that goal. And it'll come, it'll come. Yeah, and I'm I've I, so I'm gonna echo that and say, yeah, I think the pendulum is shifting. I mean, we we predicted this a few years ago, and um, <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna go down this this road of of saying one one type of cattle is better than another, but but I do want to say this: have that discipline, have that discipline. If you believe in uh, genetics, A, B, or C. Stick with it. Be the best you can be with it. Okay. And uh, 
you know, you'll, you'll learn what works in at your ranch. You'll learn what works in your environment. Uh, just stay with it. Just stay with it. But uh, thank you, Joe. Sure. Appreciate you uh, joining us, taking time out of your busy schedule. Huge help. Uh, and, and I want to make a public thank you to uh, uh, David Mullins. Dave's been on our podcast. He was on one of the early episodes. And, and by the way, we're going to have Dave back because because Dave's got some really cool stuff to talk about in terms of marketing and branding. Uh, and these were topics that we discussed over dinner one night uh, while everybody was gathered out here. And uh, I think that's that's something that's on everyone's mind. How do I build my brand? How do I market these cattle? I mean, that's tough. You can have the best cattle in the world, but if you don't have a brand and you don't market these cattle effectively, you know, you're going to have great cattle, but no customers. So, so we're going to have Dave on to, to help us uh, uh, work all that out. Um, with that being said, with that being said, so, so Joe touched on it earlier about uh, our social media pages. Uh, so we've got an Angus Underground community page on Facebook. And that's open for anybody. It's, it's not a private group. Anybody in the world can go to it. Uh, I don't know how you follow it. Just click follow, I guess. But uh, there's a... It's a, it's a growing, growing page. Uh, I can't believe the number of folks that are on there now. And, and sure, some of them are listeners, some of them are not. But the discussions going on there uh, are, are very, very intriguing to me. I mean, they range the gamut from, uh, well, today. Today, for example, this is Tuesday. I don't know what the date is. It 18th. doesn't matter. <laughs> Tuesday, October 18th. But uh, the topics today centered on on um auctions cattle auctions you know uh they were talking about well you know are these auctions real are they not is this fake go go on there and read this stuff i mean some of it i agree with some of it i'm like man you guys are buying into this conspiracy crap and grow up and get a life but (laughs) um and, and there's been some great discussion uh recently great discussion recently uh and by the way, people go on there and they critique our latest episode. By the way, I love that. That's great. That's great. I, I would it's say great. that our last episode we just had was it came out of there, right? It did. That's why we did it. <laughs> it did. And, and, and it was one of the most criticized episodes we've ever had. I mean, <laughs> for Pete's sakes. And it was on naming cattle and and tattoos like what the hell what are we arguing about right now but the moral of the story is corbin if you want to simplify your tattoos add three meaningless letters <laughs> to the front of your numbering system Listen. that was the moral of the whole 123 comments on that thread i wanted to point this out earlier but david talked about how he has bulls out and i just imagine david sitting there with a pad and paper right now which tattoo he's going to tag that calf with next oh, year with grief no i'm not <laughs> he's no, already I'm got just, it figured out i'm just hoping these dang bulls get them bred but so the community has two rules <laughs> it has two rules number one uh no advertising yeah, it's great you're having a sale. Don't advertise on there. If you want to advertise, hey, call us. We'll put you on the Angus Underground for a fee. <laughs> um, you know, Better Joe, yet, you can put it on the AI page because that seems to be all that is anymore. Is oh, advertisement. Yeah, 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 yeah. So It's like QVC. But yeah, yep. don't advertise. I mean, we, kick off, we have to kick off multiple people every day for advertising. Come on. Two rules. 
don't advertise. And I think the second one is what be decent, you know, and that, and, and that's marginal too. We'll put up with a lot of crap, you know, put up with a lot of crap. Yeah. yeah I was going to add a third, a third one. Don't be a jerk. Don't be a yeah, cover the kids ears. Don't be a jackass. Okay. So we've, we've had a handful of jackasses recently and, uh, I don't like banning people. That's silly. But don't come on there and troll people and and try to create controversy and confrontation. I mean, listen, we've got enough of that in society today. We just got through talking about how we all resonate with each other because we're all doing the same thing. But then people get on forums like that and we're in the same boat doing the same thing and we all want to argue. It's like, shut the hell up. You know, and I've I've watched it happen. I've watched it happen with two online chat boards before social oh, yeah. media. Yeah, and absolutely. then watch these groups migrate around where the same people or the same, same type of people or the same tactics destroy them into oblivion. What do we call them? Like, Cantankerous or? Do some of these people have been jerks for twenty years now? Are you kidding me? Yeah, no, you can't <laughs> you can't change them. But I also got a tip, a pro tip on advertising. I'm about overstimulated, guys. I've yes. about had it all. Okay, and so, so there's a fine line between sharing it on all these groups. I mean, we all know that the algorithms, other than their value for breeding cattle, apparently, they have value to try to beat the algorithms, right, with your Facebook posts. And we get all that. But for Pete's sakes, I mean, some of this stuff, if I see too much of your stuff, it turns me off. I'll tell you, it turns me off. I'm like, I'm, I'm not interested. Don't send me a text. Don't send me wow, an Joe. email. Joe. Don't send me all the crap. I'm good. Joe, I'm sorry. You're going to have to put up with another three weeks. Uh, but Shauna's different. No, <laughs> Shauna's different. I like Shauna. <laughs> we've, we've got 100 bulls to sell. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So you'll be seeing more of our stuff for three weeks. If we'll you just put it, if you put it, it on the weeks. Angus Underground, I will delete you. I will no, delete I don't, you. I no. Just like Abdul Rahim that was selling the T-shirts. I will delete you. Oh, but those are nice T-shirts. They were speaking, nice T-shirts, but I don't think they were nice. made Speaking of nice, what else? No, is no, on no, there? no, 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 no. We are oh, talking yeah. about onions, Corbin. We are talking about onions. Okay, no, I'll go down. I'll go down that rabbit hole. So, so we had a complaint on the community page, and by the way, we can't we can't patrol it twenty four seven. We we have other stuff going on in our lives. Believe it I or believe not. that well, was five thirty a.m. when that my well, time when that was posted. At least Corbin and Joe have other stuff going on. But yeah, yeah. It's, so somebody slipped through something that was a little provocative, and and then I get up in the morning. I, you know, I go to the community page because I want to see what people are talking about. And uh, yeah, someone said, "Hey, what kind of place is this?" Or they're they're showing porn. They're forcing porn at me. I thought this was a good place. Well, I'll tell you what, we didn't put it on there. And, and as far as I know, it got taken about taken down about as quick as it showed up. I never saw it, but you know what the real question is? I got a real question for the both of you. Where's Vince Santini? He is our East Coast representative, and oh. he should be monitoring that. Isn't he a monitor on the page? <laughs> I don't think he is. No, no, but, he is. Uh, guess he is what? Not, He's not here tonight either. He is now. Oh, he good. needs to be on the page because that way he could delete stuff. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you to to the those of you though that will report that content because when it reports, it pushes through to my phone. And if it's reported, yeah, if you don't yeah. like it, if you don't like something that shows up, chances are we wouldn't like it either. It's just yeah. 
I know it's breaking news. David, Joe, and Corbin do not sit with refresh on the Angus community forums, seeing how many posts and likes we have. I might not look at that thing. Like I heard about a deal that was percolating today. I had a guy call me when I pulled into the ranch. Oh man! I, I don't even know what's going on. Honestly, I've been busy all day. Don't don't so, worry. I've I've had my fire hose out dousing flames oh good. all day. So, but uh, yeah, join us on that page. And so so we touched on briefly, and and we're starting to bloviate and ramble. But we touched on briefly um, how some listeners came here to to Montana for this Montana Angus Cell Week between Coleman's and, and Montana ranch. And, uh, we've met some great, great folks. Um, but th- there were, uh, there were a couple that, that really stood out to me. And, and by the way, they're, they're past Montana ranch customers, but, but a really cool young couple. Um, and I think once they told me their story and Joe heard their story, you know, face to face, person to person, I mean, it touched on a nerve with us. And uh, so much so, so much so that I said, guys, would you be willing? And by the way, they, 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 they left here. They delivered cattle for us. They're from Northern California. They delivered cattle for us over in Washington and Oregon. I said, but when you get home, hey, <laughs> would you mind joining us on the podcast? Because we want to hear that story. We want to share that story with uh, all of our listeners. Uh, these are young people that, uh, so they started in the business. I'm, I'm not going to give all away all the secrets, but they started in the business. And they went down a road that they thought was right. And it just didn't work for them. Okay. So they had to regroup. And these, they're, they're just like the rest of us. I mean, they didn't start out with some big uh, trust fund. I mean, these are working folks that, you know, when they invested in a cow, they need that cow to work. Otherwise, it's it's going to negatively impact their bottom line. So, uh, yeah, these folks were were gracious enough to share their story, and uh, we're going to have a little interview with them. So, please stay tuned for that. Uh, coming up will be an interview with Connor Bridwell and Mallory Pappas. Email focused and maternal made. Circle November 2nd on your calendar for the inaugural Upchurch Brothers and Guests online sale. Friend of the Angus Underground, Randall Upchurch, has teamed up with Foster Angus Ranch, Marshall Finner Farms, Copeland Angus Ranch, Watts Angus Farm, and Limestone Genetics to present one of the most intriguing maternally focused offerings of 2022. Cow families represented in this historic offering include the Donna, Emblanette, Forever Lady, Black Cat and May families, along with many more. While the sires included are a who's who of maternally oriented sires. The short list includes Atlantis, J Trademark, Jesse James, Triumph, and Keneally Craftsman. Join us at AngusLive.com on November 2nd for the closeout of this tremendous offering, which includes frozen embryos, elite pregnancies, spring heifers, flushes, and herd sire prospects. For additional information, please contact Randall Upchurch at 256-239-5379 or go to upchurchbrothers.com. Joe? Tell you what, let's let's go ahead and bring in our guests. 
Do you want to do the intro? I can. Yeah, absolutely. So, so let's do it. What's funny is, is our, our guests, we have a third degree of separation. You know, I'm always talking about my dog lady, right? Well, her son fills their liquid nitrogen tanks and become a friend of them. This is Miss Mallory Pappas and Connor Bridwell from the Valley. Are, are you guys from Montague? Is that where you're from? Why don't you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves and tell our listeners a little bit about your programs? Yeah. So uh, we're, we're from Montague. That's, that's where we live here in the Shasta Valley. So our program, we started in 2020, just buying a few registered cows. And it was really Mallory's initial desire to want to get into registered. I grew up in commercial and she bought the registered cows and just went from there and started trying to build a program around those two cows. Yeah, I needed something a little bit more to obsess over because I didn't grow up in the ag industry. So uh, I felt like I was more of a on the sidelines with the commercial stuff because they pretty much handle themselves. At this point, Connor and his dad have been doing it for years. So they kind of just go out and they get put in a pasture and that's all that is. So then for me, I was thinking, you know, I want to get myself more experience. And I found a small local breeder and Southern Oregon, and I bought our first two heifers having absolutely no idea what I was getting into. And then from there, I was like, well, why don't we buy a couple more? This will be a fun project for both of us. So uh, we bought a couple more, and it's been it's been a learning experience because how we first bought them was based off of, I guess, when you don't know anything about Angus Tattle, when you go into the Angus website, you're thinking, well, I'll just base all of my decisions off these cool EPDs that they have advertised here. So. Uh, I go to these sales and I'm looking, well, I'm going to buy this cow because it has this EPD and this EPD. And that makes sense to me. You know, it's just simple math. And then it turns out that they didn't do so well. And uh, when the cows didn't raise as good of a calf as the commercial cows, I realized we should probably do something different. So from then on, we just started going to all these different full sales and just learning. The best thing for us has been going to as many sales as we can, whether we're interested in buying something or not. So. I think that's a lesson that all of us can resonate with. I mean, we beat that drum here many, many times, but, you know, I think fortunately for you guys, it sounds like you learn that lesson quicker than a lot of us have, frankly, I'd be in that <laughs> bunch as well, but were you hoping to, to produce your own bulls for your commercial herd or uh, to end up selling bulls? What was kind of the goal for the purebred herd? Yeah, our goal is definitely to be able to sell bulls and uh, females at some point in time. Right now, our main focus is just building a good, solid foundation for the females. And the direct marketing business just kind of came up as something as a byproduct out of our registered group. We live in a fairly depressed area of California, not a whole lot of high-income families. And we wanted to be able to provide some sort of meat product to the local consumers here that they aren't going to be able to go and get at the grocery store. And that's where all of our steers come from that aren't going to make a bull or anything that we want to keep for the commercial cattle. Or the cows that don't breed back. <laughs> yeah. Well, you should tell them how you started your commercial herd because that's a little bit unique. Yeah, so... I grew up in a commercial ranch. Both sides of the family were all commercial cattlemen. So my dad kind of started his way with buying some dairy cross animals and just a little bit of money that he could scrape together. And so that's kind of where I 
learned the commercial cattle from is, you know, he's kind of kind of scraped some money together. Luckily I was able to go and get a USDA loan when I got a little bit older and I purchased some cattle and they were just sale barn broken mouth cows that got them bred and try to keep moving along with them to build a herd. Now we've narrowed those commercial cows down to where well, we have a pretty good solid set of commercial cows, but the genetics are kind of the route that we want to start going now. Yeah. So then we were at a bull sale and this was before we had, we'd considered doing AI. We kind of kicked around the idea, but we just didn't know if it was going to make sense for us. And so we asked a representative, I can't remember what company he was there from. We asked him, you know, how do you justify AI? When does it make sense? And his comment was that you only need one good cow to take to AI. And so my thought was, you know, we need to start working on our commercial herd and improving it. If we have a couple of good cows, why don't we just start AIing them? And then we'll make our own bulls if we can't find the ones that we want. And so that's how we got into the whole AI process. And would you would you say that when was your first AI calf crop and, and was that a success or are we not yet, there yet? We're not there yet. I mean, we've had AI calves that we've bought and some of them have been successes and some of them haven't, but that's been part of our journey on picking the right genetics too, <laughs> for our area at least. So unpack that a little bit. I mean, you guys are avid listeners to the Angus Underground and you said that you went down the EPD route and that didn't work for your operation per se. How do you select those sires now for some of our listeners? Because I know they're going through the same things. Well, this last round was, you know, just kind of a shot in the dark, more or less. You know, we kind of gathered as much information as we could from not being able to go and see all the animals that we wanted to. We tried to pick the safest sires that we thought we could. And then that also meshed with the genetics that we have left because we had to cull pretty darn hard. The biggest problem with our, our cows was they just couldn't hang with the commercial cows and ours aren't run any really that hard. A lot of the cattle herds in our County and a lot of them just came up open. They couldn't, they couldn't withstand the challenge of being cows. That's how they were run. And so we were thinking, well, we need to start building cows based off their stability and their good qualities of being a, a good mama cow. They need to function as basically a commercial cow. And so we started really researching more maternal herds. And based on what genetics we had left, we had to kind of mash what genetics we thought would improve them and still be relevant enough to be able to do something with those calves. So I also have a little insider baseball because I know some of the backstory and I was there when you guys were deliberating sires a little bit. I think what makes you guys such an interesting story and, and made you a logical guest for the Angus Underground is, is you guys have found early the value of growing your network. I mean, talk about how you think about the person who is doing your AI work and, and their eyes on the and boots on the ground and and what that extension means to you and the value of the Angus network you guys have built in your young career in this breed. Really for us, you know, growing our network has just been more out of necessity because there's nobody around us as far as our families that have ever had any involvement in purebred genetics. 
And so any of the information that we can get from someone that's been in the business and has the knowledge is been really crucial to us being able to make any sort of decision in our cattle. And, you know, like our AI tech, when we first met him in person, when he came down, you know, he looked through all of our cattle and he's seen a lot of cattle Mm -hmm. and can pick out the good cows and, you know, can tell us the signs of, well, this cow looks like she's really in a good cycle right now and she is more likely going to take or this cow, maybe we should hold off on her. That kind of information has just came really important to us. Yeah, well, in our, I mean, you, Joe knows our AI tech, they're, they're friends. But um, the number one thing that I asked him is when I, when we met him, I said, we need something that's going to work for the, for a broad range of cows. What do you recommend? And that's kind of been the theme of everywhere that we go is we're just asking people what's worked for them. Nothing's better than going and seeing them in person, which is, that's the whole point of why we went and took our trip up to Montana is just to go see the genetics that we may be continuing to invest in. And it's been really reassuring actually seeing it in person and talking to people that have the same experiences. So you think you're on the right track now, as far as cattle that will work in your environment, you know, we talk about that a lot and Joe would know probably more about works, what works in you guys' environment. Do you think you're, you're on the right track now with that, or you still got some more uh, work to do? Yeah, I think, you know, we're definitely headed down the right path as far as for our environment, you know, where we just had our second breeding season. So we're still going to have a, a ton of work to really figure out what is going to work for our environment. But uh, after going to Montana and the climate there is definitely a little bit colder and wetter, but as far as elevation, grass, and all of those environmental impacts on the cattle, I think coming from that area over to us is going to be a pretty uh, similar effect. And we got to see a lot of really good cattle up there that are performing well up there. And we definitely like a little bit smaller framed animals. And so I think that's going to be the path that we're definitely going to go down. Because we've seen most of the cows that have had issues in our environment have been the bigger frame cattle. And just keeping enough weight on them is pretty hard for us. So unpack that a second, if you guys would. And I want to go down a couple different rabbit holes on this one. But you're going to a ranch for the first time. And, and you put yourself out there. You've asked David Brown for a tour or Joe Fisher or whoever it is. As a young breeder, what, do you, what is it that you have in your mind you hope to accomplish? And how do you go about accomplishing that task? Well, for us, last year, Mallory bought a female from Montana Ranch at the 438 War Party. So I spoke on the phone with David about two or three weeks ago. And uh, he mentioned that he had a full sister to hers. And so that was something really intriguing to go up there and take a look at this full sister to see kind of what that difference was between her size and our cow's size, just based on the environmental impacts. Really just going up and we AI'd all of our registered cows to Atlanta. So we wanted to see Atlantis and we wanted to see all of his progeny that we could. And we wanted to go and look at 438 and see what her progeny looked like that was the biggest part of going up bred along with what this female 
I was, you know, we saw as much as we could. And I think that you guys really touched on it. I mean, I think you're probably underplaying it a little, but you had a pretty specific plan of what you wanted to do. And you had an idea of what you were after when you went there. And I think that something we in here as well in our ranch tour episode, so overwhelming. And if you don't have specific objectives now, how about this element? Because we talked about networking a little bit. Talk about the networking opportunity at Montana Ranch. I remember going to these first places, whether it's a video sale or a production sale, where you're just hoping someone comes and talks to you. I mean, it's like I I sit by the coffee pot, right? Because everybody has to come over there or sit by where the beer is because someone's got to talk to you. But like, how did you guys handle that? Because are you just naturally that outgoing, Mallory? Or or did you have to put yourself out there a little? Because the conversation with you was so easy and Connor too. I, how'd you guys just fold in like that? Or was it the environment? I would say it's the environment. I mean, Connor and I both just were obsessed with cows. So that certainly helps. And we've been to some sales where it is hard. Like we'll go there and we'll look around and nobody looks friendly and it is intimidating, especially when you're first starting out. But I think when you find the right group of people that are breeding for the, the same qualities that you are, that conversation does happen naturally. You know, you could probably go up to anybody at some of these sales that we've been to and you can talk to them about just about anything. I mean, we did talk to them about just about anything, but there was just so many commonalities and a lot of them were really encouraging because they've all been in the same, same spots that we have. So you'll find the right group of people and you'll know at that sale. And that's probably how you know you're breeding for the right cows if you guys are all passionate about the right things. That's right. It's funny how it works out. You kind of resonate towards the people that are all sort of pissed off about the way things are going or the way the way they've done things to screw things up. And then you get to talking and then you look back and you've made these friends. Well, you guys are way ahead of the curve, I'm telling you, because it took me four or five years before I was like, you know what? This is pissing me off. You guys just skipped the whole stage there. You're so lucky. You have no idea. You guys could have been four years into this deal, had four-year-old cows that were just rail thin and wouldn't breed back and we're living in desert times and it's just terrible but hopefully you guys have maybe the underground's helping people david (laughs) i think so and so joe asked the question about did connor and mallory go in looking for something specific and and connor kind of alluded to they zeroed in on one cow or one cow line but while you found stuff that you like, you surely found some things that you go, that's eh, nice, but it didn't fit. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. It was good to see everything, though. And I think that's something that I really appreciated. As a, we've been to some sales where it's, it's like it's a secret, you know? You can't, they don't want you to go see everything. But on our tour here, we got to see everything. And I don't think we saw a bad cow, but we just saw cows that didn't fit. And I think that that's the kind of honesty that you should be looking for when you're looking to improve your, your cattle. Cause yeah. How else are you going to know without seeing the good, the bad, and the just doesn't fit for your environment. One of the best things about sourcing genetics is that you, you can go in and it's so organic and you may be going in looking for one thing and then you come out, with a totally different idea of what you were going in thinking you were going to find. And so it's one of those deals where you don't really understand what I'm saying until you do it. 
And so like going to David's, going to Larry's, going to Sitz's, going to all these places, it makes sense whenever you can see these calves in their natural environment, it helps, you know, we all get these AI catalogs and we all are, are blinded by this, this sexy marketing ad. But whenever you get there and whenever you have your eyes on these things, it's, it's amazing the differences and, and the things you notice that you can't see in a picture. You can't see it in a video. Yeah, I'm glad you guys are taking that step and you're doing it so early. It, it's really exciting to see a young people taking that time. Do you have a problem with low libido, poor performance, or have high levels of no acetal on your ranch? The Birch Creek Angus crew would like to invite everyone to their inaugural bull sale Friday, October 28th in Ruby Valley, Nevada. The sale will feature 40 aged black bulls and six aged red Angus bulls consigned from guest consigner Rhodes Red Angus. The sale will feature almost 300 commercial bred heifers, AI bred to Tahima Patriarch, RR Endeavor, and WFL Profit Maker. A select set of working ranch horses are on offer as well. These cattle are bred, culled, and developed to work in the high desert of the West. Many full and half siblings are available from some of the most elite cow families in the breed. Basin Joy 2015, Champion Hill Emblanette 6052, Champion Hill Georgina 8016, and Montana Rita 7041. Direct Sons of Keneally Confidence Plus, SAB Rainfall, Coleman Bravo, Woodhill Blueprint, and Red U2 Township. These bulls are slow developed with longevity in mind. Great cows make great bulls, and we believe we have based our coward on some of the best matrons in the breed. Check us out at www.birchcreekangus.com Videos are available on our YouTube channel or on dvauction.com. If you like your cattle round, sound, and built to the ground, then come celebrate Nevada Day with us in Ruby Valley, Nevada on October 28th, 2022. They're definitely uh, addicted to Angus cattle because I, I can tell you, the only person or people who have seen more of my herd than Corbin is Mallory and, and Connor. I mean, every time I looked up, they were headed into a new pasture and, and checking things out. And, and I think that's important because you, you go into a sale, you're going to see the cattle on display that are in the sale. They've been clipped and prepared for the sale. They've, In some cases, they've been fed differently than the rest of the herd. And I think it's important when people come here, you know, I, I ask them all, is there anything besides the sale cattle that you want to see? And yeah, I put them on a side-by-side, -side, point them in that direction, and they just go look. I think that's huge because they get a, a true flavor of the program and what's important for the program that goes well beyond, well beyond what's in that sale catalog. Joe started that trend a year ago, by the way. Was that looking at every cow in the field? Yeah, you just took <laughs> off. You just took off. I, I had no control over you. <laughs> oh, I was respectful, though, I think. And I think... I try to be at least, but no, I think, I think you guys did it right. I mean, you had a full report on everything and a plan on everything. And unfortunately that day, I think uh, one of the people I was helping had most of the same lot circled, <laughs> but it was just fun to see. It was fun to see your commitment to understanding what was there. And frankly, I would add that if we go to any program and see exactly what we want everywhere, there's probably no need for us to exist, right? 
Like that person's already doing it. And so if you find pieces of the cross section that work and you can give and take, and I know Corbin and I talked about this when he got back from Montana about one ranch, he went with specific goals to see cattle and I'll use SAV as my example. The very first time I went to SAV, I remember the bulls that I was going to look for. And I looked for SAV Platinum and SAV Thunderbird. Those were the two bulls I was looking for. And I didn't necessarily find problems with the cattle that I saw that were in that lineage. But what I did find was that at that time, I needed to use resource and international, period. And the use of those two bulls and that decision, that $1,000 trip saved me so much money and it made us so much money. And I think that's the track you guys are on is like, you're not necessarily saying that that one of those cows is bad or one of them is is better than the other per se. It's just some of them fit your mold and what you're trying to achieve better. And you're taking care of the risk that's involved by go ahead and, and seeing those cattle in their natural state and the pieces that you can use. And I definitely like the people element though. How many sales have you guys been to? Is this the second one of David's? This is the first of David's. Mallory just bought online last year. We went to two SAV sales and then a handful of other smaller ones around the local area. So I want you guys to just beat the drum for us of what it means going to those sales. I think you touched on it a little bit, but just just really highlight the differences you found in the cows that you identified if you were expecting them or if you weren't. Yeah. So the first couple of sales that we went to, you know, there were smaller breeders that kind of bred more along the lines of the EPDs. And those were the first couple of cows that we bought. And having the background with the commercial cows, they got put in the commercial herd basically and ran alongside them. And that's when we kind of found out that they didn't work. But uh, going to the sale itself, it's the first three or four was definitely pretty intimidating walking in there there's a lot of people wearing fancy shirts and driving fancy pickups and you know we're we're pulling up in a bottom truck but our first shop sale man if you guys could have seen the rental car that we got i think we got like a kia soul yeah i think it was a kia soul that was like 40 dollars a day yeah that's what what we budgeted for that at rental car you guys are better than me i always just bum rides off of people when i go to So you gotta you gotta RSVP your shop car like 14 months in advance, or you're getting the Kia Soul. Yeah, yeah, we didn't have much of a choice left after that. But man, we pull up in that little Kia Soul, and it's negative 25 degrees outside. <laughs> pickups, and we're from California. I packed like a couple sweatshirts, thinking like it's not gonna be that cold. I'm getting. And my nostril hairs froze. And we are not prepared for this. But yeah. we went and we looked at the cows. And it was, I mean, the thing about Shaw, it's a great experience. But it is overwhelming. Like, how do you pick a good cow out of there? Because they all look the same. And I think that's been one of the things for us is going to these sales has helped us kind of train our eye. Because I think that was maybe the fourth sale that we've been to and one of the ones that we really only that's when we kind of started changing our mindset from the EPDs to the more maternal and like physical qualities and so it was just like we didn't know what the heck we were looking at but now you know talking to people we've kind of figured out a little bit I think I mean we're always gonna have a lot to learn though we're still learning that's the beauty of it Mallory 
I know I've been in this my entire life, Joe and Corbin and Vince have as well, but we learn new stuff every day, every day. And so it seems like you guys, I mean, talking to you, you circled the 438 Cal because I was talking to you about that heifer that, that I would have bought and you guys are hooked up with that new owner. And, and, uh, what do you think's on the horizon for, for, uh, Bridwell and Pappas. I mean, did you guys find some sire lines to cross on those cows going forward or what direction do you plan to take after this past week? Well, we were going to make some phone calls to you guys after this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We haven't really identified a specific sire that we want to use yet. We know, you know, seeing the 438 progeny and David's heard, you know, everything's very consistent and, uh, that's just really what we're looking for is something that we can have some consistency and build off of. And that's, you know, the sires, hopefully we'll be able to figure out exactly what we want to do, but we've been talking on our 15 hour trip back from Montana driving. We've been talking about (laughs) what is our cross sire going to be? We don't know yet. Yeah, but like I said, we're going to call you guys and see. You guys have seen more cows than we have, and you know how that they perform. And we were hoping that we could find a few people that have had some experience with how some of these other sires perform, so we could get a little bit better idea, other than guessing. <laughs> yeah, I think from the four of us, you, you'll probably get four different answers, but I, I don't think there'll be a wrong answer in the bunch because I we all share that one common theme or thought is that there will be great cows behind that whatever sire we recommend. That was the common theme with all the folks that came in that we visited with in the past couple of weeks. You know, they they really wanted to dig in and they said, what's, Brownie, what's your philosophy, your breeding philosophy? And, you know, we were able to go into a little more depth than what we have on the podcast. And, and I said, it's all about those seven cows and the three-generation pedigree. You know, you want those those seven cows to be pretty much interchangeable. I, Joe brought it up more eloquently than I did in one of our earliest episodes where throw those seven cows into one corral. What are they going to look like? Are they going to be similar? Are they going to be consistent in type and kind and production? That's the theme that that I shared with all these folks. I mean, if, if you get those seven cows right, it really doesn't matter what the bulls are, right? It's all about the seven cows. And if you get to seven cows right, then your odds of producing that desired outcome are going to be considerably higher. And that's what it's all about, predictability and consistency. You want to know when you're making that mating, you want to have a pretty good idea of what to expect with that calf. And and I think as long as you do that, you're in uh, uh, pretty safe territory. You guys brought up the 438 cow. Obviously, she's and and I'm not going to go into that cow. I get embarrassed talking about my own cattle here, but but you were able to go to Coleman's and you saw progeny out of a full sister to that cow. And I it, Joe's made the tour and Corbin's made the tour. And you know, when you see two cows that are that closely related in two different programs and their influence uh, is almost equal within those given programs, it's pretty telling, isn't it? Well, and Ingram, too, has has that. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, she's doing just as well. So that does, I mean, for us starting out, that does give us some confidence knowing 
you know, we may not have been able to prove the offspring on our own cows, but they sure have been proven in some other herds. So that ought to be a good sign for us. Yeah, and I, I think that that path that you're on is, it's really similar to the paths of, of the four of us on this podcast. In that uh, you've, you've stepped back, you've analyzed it and said, okay, which which of the cows that we've seen or, or read about or researched best fit our program? And then how do we incorporate that cow or those cows, multiple cows, into our pedigrees? You know, and I, I think you guys are at that place that uh, the four of us have, have been at. And And by the way, by the way, I, I want to say this. I mean, you guys have such a head start. You're you're young. I'm not going to ask your age on here. But but you guys are young, and I'm just going to use myself as an example. I mean, it wasn't that – I'm an old guy, and it, it wasn't that long ago that I finally made that discovery of, oh, okay, that's how I want to breed these. Exactly. So you, you guys are way ahead of the curve here. When was your light bulb, David? When was your light bulb? Mine was probably 31, 30, 30, 31. So it would have been eight, nine years ago. My, mine was, was much later than that. And I have these light bulb moments every day. And this is one thing I shared. I, I think I shared it with Connor and Mallory on their visit here. You know, I, it's been an evolution. My breeding philosophy has been an ever-changing evolution. But I think this podcast, believe it or not, just the four of us sitting around shooting the bull, talking cattle, has probably done more for me in refining, absolutely refining where I was going, how I was going to do it than anything else. That's what's cool. It's such an intangible effect that like if you've got if, if you've got someone to bounce ideas off that will tell you, dude not do that no you're not allowed then <laughs> that makes and, that. and then you know what a lot of times we have those conversations and then we do it anyway and then you know what there's a lot of those that i'm waiting on the i told you so moment and i know you guys are too but it, it's great to have people like that in your corner they're not telling you that because they're against whatever you're trying to do or whatever they're just trying to help you they're trying to you know just hone it in because because once we get that thing honed into where to where we're, we're selecting making the, the right decision and we all, all our herds are different right david's breeding them different than joe joe's breed, but we all know kind of how each other's breeding them and we can still help each other know keeping in mind what that person's trying to do it, it's it's a very um i really encourage our, our listeners out there to do what mallory and and connor have done and hone in those that, that network and really get those people on your side and by the way by the way if, if you bring up a bad idea amongst the four of us we don't say no, don't do it. It's just met with silence, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. If we yeah. think it's a great idea, we're we're pretty enthusiastic. But otherwise, and that like, silence mm-hmm. is loud and clear. It's loud and clear. I get a lot of silence. I get a lot of silence. <laughs> so David, I want to go back on one that you mentioned, just pull the veil back. You you'd said it made you a better breeder, and you shared this conversation with me, and I feel the same pressure too. I mean. The podcast makes it so your words better match your cattle. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. It's 
especially when those people show up in droves, they're going to go, well, wait a minute. Well, he said this, but he ain't doing that. He's doing something else. Right. Yeah. I've, I've probably cheated a couple of times in the last 12 months, but I'm, I'm very, uh, I'm very cautious when I do that. <laughs> no, it, it, uh, it brings a, uh, a definite accountability to what we're doing. I mean, it's, it's one thing to talk amongst the four of us, but it's another thing to talk to the thousands that listen to us every week. And then you, you get to that point where the, the straw seaman's going in the gun. You're like, Oh man, I hope nobody finds out about this. It's <laughs> <laughs> a dead giveaway. And, like, and, ah. and Joe and Joe and Corbin know about a couple of those, but uh, we're going to leave those silent for now. I'll tell you what, I'm going to text Mallory because I know Mallory will be like, David, what are you? What? What? You're doing? You don't that? have good. You don't have good enough service. She she was in the pasture. She was in the pasture with those, but I never heard anything, so I didn't I didn't go there. I have a feeling I might know. Oh no, she found me. <laughs> Did the heifer have ears, Mallory? Did she have ears? <laughs> was she a little brown? I think she did. <laughs> Very few of mine have ears, so you could be talking about any one of a, a couple of hundred. Oh my gosh. No, it's, it's, yeah, you've got to be accountable. And uh, that's the cool thing about this podcast is I think long and hard. So this has turned into the Brownie show and I didn't, didn't want to do that. But when we talk about some of the breeding decisions and so forth, so I did something this year. Okay. So we, we bred our summer calvers here a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, bulls are out now. But for once, I, I, I had no, no EPDs. I didn't glance at a single EPD. Obviously, I know the EPDs of the bulls I'm using, okay? They're, they're all, for the most part, they're our bulls. So, you know, I, I know the range on those bulls. But what I did with each animal, each female that came into the chute, I just visualized that pedigree, okay? Her seven-generation pedigree. And I go, which of these bulls has the cows behind him that would best mesh with this female that's in the shoot? Joe, you may do it a little differently. I don't know. And, and in years past, I've always bred, you know, one sire group of females to one sire. You know, thinking, oh, I'm going to make all these consistent, uh, you know, three-quarter siblings, if you will. This year I did a little differently. You know, if I had four full sisters, I go, you know what? I'm going to breed two this way and two the other way, but I'm still going to have great cows in every direction of the pedigree. Joe, what does that look like for you? I'd say it's very similar, but it's also, I mean, it's it's trying to get myself in a quiet and creative space is difficult. I mean, you guys know uh, we had a poll on the Angus Underground community page. Just I was I was diving into some business challenges people would have just to use that a little bit later. And and one of the top topics chose was chosen was um, workload distribution. And we struggle with that here. And I think that that's something all of our listeners can resonate with too, right? Most of us are the marketer and the calver and the breeder. And so I try to be intentional with those matings. But I'll be frank with you guys, I make a lot of shoot side decisions. And, um, I think that's because I think that's because like there is an art to breeding and, and I've heard it say, said before that when, when breeding cattle becomes religion, you get it wrong. And I can get that statement. I understand that statement, but then having said that 
there is there is a canvas that we're painting on and it's more of an oil painting than a watercolor because each stroke lays down a layer that each one builds upon and so as i'm putting together these matings for our herd i know cows i, I go back to what jordan rhodes was saying and quite a few months ago where some need to be tweaked this direction and some need to be tweaked that direction, but we, we maintain that consistent type. And there was a gentleman that I truly, truly loved who I got to do business with for a long time. His name was Boyd Brarin from up in the Doris McDole area, kind of Northeast of Mallory and Connor. And um, Boyd had a lot of cows. I mean, a lot, a lot of cows. And one time, uh, so we got to a position where I would buy all my hay from him. And we would exchange loads of cows for loads of hay back and forth. And we did this for years and years. And I would say that that family is the only one that owns more Bruin cows than Bruin Ranch. And um, I, I had a printout for him for the choice. I had two loads of cattle in the corral and he was to pick one load of cattle. And I said, do you want to do you want to look at this paperwork? And he said, no, I'm here because I know you took care of the paperwork. All I have to do is take care of looking at the cattle. And I thought, wow, and that's that eight, nine years ago I'm telling you guys about that I'm referencing. That's about where I had this moment where I said, well, what if the bulls I chose, I knew I had taken care of on paper in general, but then I used my brain and I used my experiences and I used my worldview to come up with a plan of moving these cattle a certain direction. So that's how I do it. You probably wanted a simpler answer than that, but that's how I do it. How about you guys, Mallory and Connor, how, how are you guys deciding now? Yeah, so I think it kind of relates to that question that you you asked earlier. That I'm not sure that we quite fully answered when you asked um, what direction we're taking our Angus herd. And it, it does. It has a lot to do with consistency because at the end of the day, our county and our area, you know, we, we create calves that are going to be shipped down to the sale yards. And the best calves are going to be those consistent calves. You know, the, the buyers don't care about that pedigree. They care about a consistent, good-looking set of calves. And that's been something that we've had to, we've struggled really hard with, with Connor starting with those sale barn cows. You know, they might be bred, you know, 90, 120 days apart in the calving season. And they're all different colors. And we've really, in the past couple of years, been able to shorten it down so much, just keeping that consistency in mind. and then. The same thing with our registered cows. That's that's why we're breeding the way that we are. It's focusing on a couple of cows so that we can just keep improving on that that uniformity and that consistency. Yeah. What do you think, Connor? For our breeding decisions, I mean, we've been just trying to find those cows in the bull's pedigree that have a similar size of what we're looking for because that's really the, the biggest issue that we have is just – a lot of people have a lot of really big cows around here and um, they go up into the mountains and they need, in my opinion, to be maybe a little bit smaller. And uh, I think that's going to help a lot, but we just, we need bulls that'll go out, they'll cover a lot of ground. Most people are turning out onto four service uh, turnouts and oh, these bulls, I mean, yeah, burned ground and they got to cover a lot, a lot of ground. They don't want bulls that are going to lay next to the the water troughs and wait for the cows to come to them or go and cover some ground and so just having range ready good bulls out of cows that are all similar size so we can create that consistency is what we really want yeah that's what it's all about they are an end product 
we have to have a consistent, good-looking end product. Yeah. Indeed, I, I think the whole industry thrives on that. And now a word from our sponsor. The cycle of life and death is a matter of fact in the cattle business. We all know that if you own livestock, you'll eventually own dead stock. The real question is, how do you protect and preserve your investment? That protection is simple, cost-effective, and as easy to obtain as visiting the brand new Creek Insurance website, insuremybull.com. Creek Insurance, owned by friend of the podcast and fellow Angus breeder, David Yackley, offers livestock mortality coverage for entire herds, individual animals, and is catered to your specific needs. To find out how to protect your investment, review coverage rates, and to get an insurance policy started online, visit insuremybull.com or scan the Insure My Bull QR code found on the Gene Brokers homepage. As always, you can also pick up the phone and give David Yackley a call at 360-266-8000. Again, visit insuremybull.com or call David at 360-266-8000. Now back to the show. Well, guys, I want to thank Connor Bridwell and Mallory Pappas for joining us today. You guys are a real inspiration. <laughs> well, not, not only inspiring to, to the many young people out there, but also inspiring to us, us old guys. Because it's, it's easy to lose faith in uh, the younger generation at times. But we see folks like you out there that uh, you're doing it the right way. Nothing's being handed to you. And uh, you want to make every dollar count, every mating count. And, and I think that speaks volumes for you guys. But uh, with that, we've probably reached the end of another episode of Angus Underground. We thank all of our listeners out there. And we will look forward to seeing you back here in two weeks. Until then, keep it underground. This episode of Angus Underground was brought to you in part by Montana Ranch. The source for balanced trade Angus, which are different by design. If you love this episode, head over to where you listen to podcasts to subscribe, rate, and review. Also, check us out on social media, where you can interact with us and to suggest subjects that you'd like us to cover on upcoming episodes.